Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Before we get started and I do my introduction to our guest today, I wanted to answer a couple quick questions that have come up from some of you. And by the way, thank you for sending me these questions. I really love it when I engage with all of you, and so keep those questions coming. One of the questions that I have gotten a lot recently is, what episodes should I listen to besides the one that I just listened to? So, um, you know, a, an easy way to scan all the different episodes is to go to demandgenradio.com. The other way, obviously, is if you've got the podcast, a podcast app on your phone, and you've subscribed to the program, which of course I encourage you to do, you can scan them all and look at the titles. But I know that the titles are shorter on your phone, it's harder to read. So go to demandgenradio.com where we inventory all the different episodes. And I highly recommend, especially if you're into social selling, whether you're on the marketing or sales side, that you listen to the episode with Jill Rowley. Um, That was episode number 55. And that episode actually has gotten the most airplay um, this entire year. And it's, I think, ranked number two or number three at this point of all of the different episodes that I have. So go back and listen to that one. We're going to be talking a little bit about social selling today. So that one is certainly relevant. Um, The episode that I did on the five principles of lead management is the number one all-time episode, which is awesome because I actually never even planned on doing a solo podcast. I always have guests with the exception, I think, of five episodes. And I'm always surprised to see that that one uh, does so well because I would think that as I promote the guests on the program that their followers um, would listen in. But you know what? I guess you guys love that episode. So that one is good if you haven't listened to it. And it certainly is based on the principles from my book, Manufacturing Demand. So those are a couple um, good ones uh, up there at the top. The other question I get from you guys is, do people pay me or pay demand gen to be on the program? And the answer to that is no, um, absolutely no. And I don't know if that would ever change, but I wanted to make sure that you know that all the marketing technology companies that we feature on here, we feature them because our clients use their technology and we are partnered with them. So I want to amplify what their solutions are, and that's why I have some of those folks on the program. But no one at this point is ever paid to be on Demand Gen Radio, and I would certainly disclose if that ever um, changes. All right, last question is, when is the book coming out? Um, I put on LinkedIn that I am working on the book Agents of Change, and it will be out by the end of this year. And by the time you're listening to this program, which for those of you who listen to it, the day that it came out is this coming Sunday... I have spent now uh, several days locked away in San Francisco. So after this episode and I wrap up today, which again is like a time machine. So after I did wrap up this episode, I headed to San Francisco and spent several days locked away at the Intercontinental Hotel working on the book. So making really, really great progress on it. Thank you for asking. And um, I guess one call to action I have for all of you The book Agents of Change is all about that. It's about agents of change and um, very prescriptive in terms of what modern marketers and modern organizations are doing these days. And I'm always looking to interview people for the podcast and people for the book. So if you are one of those people 
or if you have a suggestion of someone that I should talk to, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn and make that suggestion. That would be awesome. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Today on the program, I have Samantha McKenna. And if you don't know Samantha, let me just give you a little background on how we got connected. That episode that I mentioned with Jill Rowley, well, Samantha and I both know Jill very, very well. And Jill was the one who connected us and said, you know what, I think you guys should do a program together or at least get to know one another. And so here we are, another evidence again that if you make some great introductions and uh, they're a good fit for the program, they're going to be on. So Samantha, welcome and thank you for joining me. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am doing well. I'm very excited, anxious, but excited to be working on the book, as I mentioned, coming up. But I'm really glad to have you on the program. For those of you that don't know Samantha, feel free to connect with her, of course, on LinkedIn. She runs enterprise sales out of New York City for the Sales Navigator product. And we'll get into that later on, uh, because actually we are deploying Sales Navigator at our company, which is very exciting. We've had a couple different licenses here and there, whereas a company rolling it out. So I want to come back Um, to that. But hey, Samantha, since you are working at LinkedIn and you are on LinkedIn, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, and I'd love for you to tell our guests something about you that's not on your LinkedIn profile. You got something? Oh, yeah, that's our that's our favorite question in house at LinkedIn. What's not on your profile? Um, I one thing that I would say that may or may not shock some of my followers is I have a 37 speeding tickets. Um, yeah, that's not a typo or uh, a misstatement. 37 speeding tickets. You got it. Um, oh and I've God. only been on the road <laughs> for about 20 years. So I'll let you let you do that math. I'm um, originally from Switzerland and come from a long line of lead feet uh, in my family. So I certainly put the pedal to the metal and was an aggressive driver. But I'll tell you that it was also my first exposure to great negotiations. How do I get out of speeding tickets? How do I negotiate when I'm in court for speeding tickets? It's, uh, it's been a, an exciting exposure in that regard. I think everybody wants to hear that, those secrets. How are you still having a driver's license? I'm assuming you do. And how have you dealt with getting 37 speeding tickets? <laughs> uh, well, I've probably been pulled over at least twice uh, that amount. So good in terms of excuses as to why I was speeding. One of the tricks that I learned was you can actually, uh, if you go to write your ticket in court, you can ask the judge to send you to driving school. And if it's court ordered, it doesn't count as one of the, I think, five or six times that you can go in your lifetime. So um, I did a lot of pleading when I was in college. I'm a poor college student and I made a mistake and um, that tended to work to at least reduce my fine a little bit. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey. It's safe to say that I haven't had one in a few years and I'm a little bit of a safer driver as I get a little older and more mature. I had no idea that you could ask for additional opportunities to go to traffic school. I thought, at least I'm in California, I thought you can only <laughs> do that once within, I don't know if it's a year, year and a half. So there's a tip. And I know a lot of people who listen to the program do so while driving. So you know what? Be a safe driver. <laughs> but hey, if you get a ticket, Samantha's got some tips for you. Wow. 37 <laughs> tickets. You get no no other value out of today's podcast. That's it. You've got your driving tip. Or now you can you can send me an in-mail on LinkedIn and ask me for tips how to get out of your own. I'm, I'm awaiting your notes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. It is a great question. You know, we did um, LinkedIn's deployment of marketing automation several years ago and the integration of that system to your CRM system. And we trained your marketing and marketing operations people on scoring and nurturing 
phenomenal client, did so much good work there very, right before you guys went public. So I don't know when that was, but it feels mm. like we've been engaged with you guys for at least five, six years, maybe longer. And then later, obviously, you guys got acquired by Microsoft. And so the relationship still continues to this day. But I have never talked to anyone on the sales leadership team outside of the workshops that we did there uh, with DemandGen and uh, your team. So great to be connected. Before we talk about social selling and sales navigator and such, of which I am a big personal fan, I would like to talk about the topic that we discussed the other day, which is about getting shit done. And I like how you said, you know, is it okay if I cuss uh, on the program? Well, there, <laughs> yeah, I've started that. But um, tell me a story about how you became so passionate about taking action and getting stuff done. I think it's, um, you know, especially as a, as a sales rep, it's, it's really important that you have um, just this determination to get things done, right? And to not procrastinate, to not put things off until the last minute. Um, one of the things that made me so passionate about this was I remember when I was a brand new sales rep and a contract came back in with Redlines, uh, one of my very first contracts, and I was working on another project. I finished that other project instead of addressing the red lines right then and there, instead of saying, I'm going to go ahead and take this, I'm going to set it to our council and let them go ahead and focus on those red lines while I finish my project. Instead, I finished the project. I burned another probably three hours instead of sending that, which I'm sure is making every salesperson out there cringe right now. But I finished my project. I sent it to my council. That contract, because I, d I had that just that three-hour delay, it ended up costing me the contract for that month. Um, there was a delay back on the other side of the client where somebody then went on vacation by the time we got it back, and we literally missed it by hours. So it was such an important lesson about the sense of urgency and just go, right? Just do it. Um, and I'm definitely ripping off Nike's uh, motto there. But I, I really think it applies to everything that you do in sales, right? That sense of urgency, just going and being accountable and getting things done and thinking, you know, how, how much faster can I move? How, what can I do now so that somebody else can uh, help me advance my deal or, or further, you know, getting my red lines done? Just move and go, and you'll be so much more successful just by virtue of that sense of urgency. No, it's great advice. And um, I mentioned the book earlier when I posted a screenshot of the new book cover, and because um, I'm a very start with the end in mind type of person. Kristen, who I also think listens to Dimension Radio, so shout out to you, Kristen, said, Dave, how do you get so much done in so many words? And um, I'm certainly known by my team and by my friends of someone who has, you know, kind of like jack of all trades, and I certainly get a lot done and have to get a lot done, not only as my role as CEO, uh, but just, you know, as a member of my family and member of my team. And I'm someone who just takes action. Uh, and before I get to those tips that I do, I, I want to make a point of something that you said, which is you procrastinated on that project and you didn't want to do that. And I find there are so many people that I run across who know what they should be doing and they, they don't do it. And some of that is because they don't like doing the certain projects. So I was speaking with a family member who runs a business and he was saying that, um, he just doesn't like paperwork, you know, doesn't like handling the bookkeeping and the invoicing and those um, stuff within his role. And, and nor do I. I'm not a big fan of, of paperwork myself. And so when you have the opportunity to delegate tasks to people who really like doing that stuff or are very good at it, um, I highly recommend that if there's something that you have to do on a regular basis 
and you're not good at it because you don't enjoy doing it, consider delegating that or finding someone else or paying someone uh, to do that for you. And, you know, Samantha, I don't know how you are with expense reports, but I know there's lots of salespeople out there in the world who hate doing expense reports. (laughs) And as a result, it costs them a lot of money because they either forget about expenses or never turn in the paperwork. But can you relate to uh, putting things off that you don't enjoy doing and have Uh, any tips on what you do to get past that? I... I couldn't, I couldn't relate more if I tried, right? And the amount of things that are on everybody's plate that they think about that they, they dread doing, right? Menial tasks, big projects, expense reports. That also used to be a crux of mine where I would just save and save receipts. And then after a month, I would think, oh, my God, with all the travel that I've done, how much I have to go through and what have I missed? So, again, with that, even just adopting the idea of just do it. I put into practice the routine uh, every single time I have an expense, I take the picture, I load it to, you know, concur whatever application we're using as a, as a company. And then I take care of it right then and there. I delete it from my phone. So I don't have the picture anymore. And I know that I'm organized. It's done. It's in, and I don't even have to think about it. I think about that too. Like, again, that just do it mentality of the space in our brains that, that these tasks take up that we don't want to do. Right. So even if something so menial, um, I'll give you an example that, one of my reps had to change a uh, the time of a reservation with a, a restaurant that wasn't on open table. We were taking a client out to dinner and the client changed the time. And I said, hey, have you changed the reservation time? And he's like, no, I'll, I'll get to it and do it. I'm like, just do it. And he's like, oh, I just I hate picking up the phone. And then you have to wait on hold, et cetera. And he said, just do it. So he picked up the phone. They answered right away. They said, seven sounds great instead of eight. Thanks so much. Bye. And he's like, that was so easy. And I'm like, what's a restaurant reservation? Like, of course it was easy. But that's gone now. That task is done. It checks off his plate. It doesn't occupy his mind. He hasn't procrastinated. He hasn't possibly cost us the reservation. That again, that sense of urgency and it clears it off your plate. I, I look at deals kind of that same way. The deals, you know, we say that the worst deals are the maybe deals, right? That we can't get to a yes or a no fast enough, but the mm-hmm. maybes are worse because the maybes occupy time in our brain um, and we just want to clear them out. I see tasks as those same way. Do it so much faster, get it off your plate and move on, free up your brain for other things. Exactly. And it takes a lot of negative energy as, you, as you're as you talking about, builds up cortisol in your brain. And you know, when you have negative energy and you develop cortisol in your brain, it can bring you down. It can actually, you know, it not can actually, it does affect how you feel uh, for the day. And so there's a huge reward system to you and your brain about getting the things done that you really want to put off. The longer you put it out, actually, the more you suffer with it. Um, you know, back on Kristen's question for how I get so much done, I'm a list person. And so uh, when I graduated school in 1988, graduated college, uh, the first company I ever worked for professionally was Microsoft. And the very first course that they taught me was, they called it priority management. They said, you can't manage time, you can just manage your priorities. And so I flew up to Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, I flew up to Seattle, Washington. And um, you're from Washington, D.C. That's on the brain, clearly. <laughs> I flew up to Seattle, Washington, and they put us in a room, and they handed back then uh, us these binders, and a company came in and trained us. And inside that binder, the very first section was around goals, and it was your life goals. And you started off actually not talking about your professional responsibilities and just putting down the things that you wanted to accomplish in life, and they had us write those down. And the reason they you know, taught us to do that, if I can fast forward the workshop, was not only did they teach us that when you write stuff down, the huge probability that you'll accomplish it, 
but then you can back into the steps that you need to take to get it done. And that's another reason a lot of people don't tackle either bigger projects or projects they're not looking forward to because they haven't thought about what the end state looks like and then break it down into simpler tasks to get it done. So, and I think our first tip was if you can find someone else to do it for you that's better at it, have someone else do it. Um, The next tip that I want to give that works for me is I write down my goals, annual goals. I write down family goals, places I want to go, things that I want to do with the family. But of course, write down all my my business goals. And we as a company um, are a very high performance company. And we, everyone in the organization has goals. And our managers and, and teammates uh, hold us accountable and help us uh, through that. So I start my day every single day updating my list of things to do. And I'm wondering what system you have that, that works for you because you get a lot of stuff done. Well, I think you and I are also the same in that we um, find people to hold us accountable to our goals, right? So instead of just writing them down, we also talk about them with people that will hold us accountable. So whether it's save a certain amount of money, lose a certain amount of weight, close a certain amount of deals, whatever it may be, we talk about it. So then we have those people that come back and say, how are you making headway, right? And you think, oh, I've got to stick got to stick with my brand of getting shit done. So I actually need to get this done. Right. And they hold us accountable. So we get to our goals in the end. I'm a list maker, just like you are. I take tremendous satisfaction in actually crossing off the things on my to-do list. I'm sure you are the same way, but I've got them all written down. I'm I'm a little old school. So I like to keep a, a spiral notebook of things. And that's where I write these things down. And what I love too, is a sense of accomplishment when I look back and I see these things that have crossed off. And I think I I did though. It's like I set a goal, I accomplished them, I got them done, right? So now what else can I be capable of doing? One other thing too, in terms of getting things done, and I find this happens a lot, especially in sales where we're out on the road, we're traveling, we're networking, we're at events. Um, We make a lot of commitments. You know, somebody will come up to you and say, uh, can you send me, you know, the deck that you just presented? Or I would love to see a data sheet on this, you know, really interested in LinkedIn Navigator. Send me something that you've got. And it's so easy to say, oh, sure. As soon as I'm back in the office, I'll do that. And how often do we forget? So mm-hmm. often. So one of the processes, again, that I've got is that I um, actually send myself an email every single time um, I promise to do something. So it doesn't go on some random phone list. If I'm on the road, the only way I'm going to remember to do something is if I send myself an email. And it'll have a trigger or what I'm supposed to do in the subject line. Um, and I'm extremely oriented with my – extremely organized, I should say, with my email. So if it's in there and if it's un- unread, it's going to get done one way or another. Um, I think the other thing kind of goes back to what I mentioned just a second ago about that personal brand, right? Is that part of your brand that you get stepped on? Are you accountable? Do you follow through on the things that you promise, right? So if you, if that's part of your brand and it's certainly part of mine or one that I hope is part of mine, um, I think it's really important to build mechanisms and processes to make sure you always are accountable, get that step done and follow through. Yeah. I love those tips. Um, I was reflecting as you were talking about some of the tricks that you use. A, I love the email one for folks that don't have a good system. I use, so I'm an Outlook, you know, fiend. I I love Outlook. That training that I got at Microsoft, of course, later on was turned into computer-based training and, and the tools. And so I use the tasks in Outlook. I use the notes in Outlook and I have subfolders for all the stuff that I do. I, I put my follow-up tasks in my tasks list in Outlook, and I categorize all those between personal and professional and even subcategories of phone calls I need to make and emails I need to do. So I'm I'm hyper-organized when it comes to uh, those tasks and to-dos. The point that you make about talking about your goals publicly, I do do that. In fact, what I mentioned about the book 
you know, if I tell my friends or tell my colleagues something I'm going to do, since I like my personal brand to be a guy who says what he's going to do, I find that's a great technique uh, for me, especially with the big projects that I want to do uh, in life, is just communicate those to family or to my colleagues so that there's accountability there, not only mentally for myself that I said I was going to do something, but they can say, you know, how is that book coming or how is that project coming? Um, I want to talk about, you know, I, I don't know too many people who don't want to lose weight and don't want to save more money. And two techniques that I find work there uh, is once again having goals. So, you know, as CEO of Demand Gen, we have a PL. We have a, you know, goals on how much revenue that we're going to make and how much profits we're going to make every single year. What I find is people don't do that necessarily for themselves. Um, and, you know, you think about salespeople and how every, whether it's months or quarter, you're getting paid this variable compensation. Um, if people start off the year thinking about either a certain dollar amount, ideally, or a certain percentage of their income that they want to save, it makes a tremendous difference long term. And same thing on weight. You know, everybody says, oh, I want to exercise more or lose weight. And I find, again, you know, coaching wise, having either a certain number of times to go to the gym or certain calories or certain, uh, you know, using like a tool like MyFitnessPal on your phone um, for just setting goals for yourself and tracking yourself. You really can, the point is you can accomplish anything in life if you know what you want to achieve and you just break it down to how you're going to do it and hold yourself accountable. I, I think it's really interesting too because I, I just posted about this yesterday, in fact, on LinkedIn. And if you, um, if you don't already if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, feel free to, um, as you mentioned earlier, but you can also follow my hashtag, which is hashtag Sam sales. And I posted about this, that every little bit counts, right? So I think a lot of people are down on themselves to think, you know, on the savings goal, I was only able to save a hundred dollars this month or this week, or, um, I've only been able to get to the gym three times instead of the five times, but you think about the power of compound, right? Not in compound interest, but how all of those things compound and they add up. If you take out the word only from those statements, I only saved $100 this month. If you take that only out, you saved $100 this month. I only went to the gym three times this month or this week. Um, you went to the gym three times this week, right? All of that adds up. And I think people lose sight of that because they, they set these really incredible lofty goals for them themselves. And sure, everybody's going to have a down month or down week, down day, whatever it may be. But in the end, all that stacks and it makes a difference towards getting to that end goal. And I think you made such an interesting point earlier about working backwards from your written down goals. Um, I had a great rep once who said, I want to end the year, January 1st, right? I want to end the year at 200% of my quota and I want to make at least whatever it was, $300,000. So if I think about 200% of my quota, I'm going to work backwards from there and I'm going to think how many opportunities closed deals I need to have, how many opportunities I need to have based on 5x of pipeline, you know, and our average contract value, how many meetings does that mean I need to have, how many people do I need to reach, working backwards and backwards and backwards, right, the number getting bigger for his outreach and his touches, but he basically mapped 
it all out, right? It's a mathematical formula. Worst case scenario, if he can build up 5X pipeline, he'll hopefully convert 20% of that and hit his quota. But knowing that he needs to convert 40% of that, how hard he needs to work if he wants to get to 200% of his number. And I, I think it's so interesting to look at that as a sales rep, right? You can map that out mathematically. And instead of saying, well, gosh, I can't build pipeline or you know, I haven't closed anything yet this quarter. Well, it's because you haven't really mapped it out. How are you going to get there? You know, it's not an arbitrary you know, reach into the, the book of leads and bag of leads and hope for the best. Like you really, if you're methodical about it and work backwards that way, you'll get to that goal. Love it. Um, I got one more tip, and that will round up our tips on how to get shit done. And this one really comes from inspiration from Mel Robbins. So if any of you don't know Mel Robbins, look her up on YouTube. She will do a much better job of this, and I'm only going to do a... a Cliff Notes version of this, which is she wrote a book called The Five Second Rule, and it was really great when I met her, and she shared you know, how that came to be, and that's the video that you want to find is the story of what was going on in her life. And she was procrastinating, stuff that Samantha and I were talking about, and she came up with The Five Second Rule as a way to trick her brain and break the muscle memory of procrastinating. So what she does is she counts down when she needs to do something, let's say get out of bed, and she goes five, four, three, two, one and just does it. And she practices that across anything in her life that she needs to get started. And the reason that she goes on to explaining why that she had to rewire her brain is she talks about, you know, the built-in fight or flight instinct that we have. And I've said this I think on the podcast before and and again inspired by conversations with Mel which is we talk ourselves out of stuff to protect ourselves. We don't like to take risk. You know, Samantha, when you switched um, careers or switched jobs and you left on 24 and went to LinkedIn, um, that was a big decision to make. And, and you could have talked yourself into it. Now I should just stay here. Things are going well. I'm crushing it. Why do I want to make a change? And you could have done all that. Clearly, you didn't. And you made that. And I really encourage people to listen to Mel's. You'll find like a 15-minute or 12-minute summary version that she shares in an interview. And if you're having trouble just getting started and motivating yourself, it's kind of my last tip is is take action. Do you have any other tips on on how you again get started when you're procrastinating or trying to motivate a a team member? Yeah, I think it seems really, really basic, but I, I always look at the list of pros and cons, right? So I think that a lot of people struggle with making decisions, taking a leap to do something, taking a leap to change a job, get married, get divorced, whatever it may be. There's all sorts of things we struggle with on a daily basis. But I think if you take a minute to look at pros and cons and you find that the pros outweigh the cons of doing something or the reverse, it gives you a little bit more of a, again, mathematical, I guess I should say, uh, look at whether or not you should do something. So, you know, to your example with On24 versus LinkedIn, the pros of staying there were great, had an amazing team, uh, incredible product to sell, et cetera. But then the pros of looking at a job change, yeah, there are some cons for sure. Thinking about, hey, I've got to ramp up and I've got to, you know, learn a new team and learn a new process and routine. But the pros, what I can learn, stretching myself, putting myself out of my comfort zone, um, those were things that were really appealing to me to be able to grow as a leader. So once you've got those written down and you can start to see the one list exponentially outweighs the other, it makes the decision far easier and with a little bit more logic and a little less emotion. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So pro and con list. I have a friend who probably needs to get divorced, been talking with him about that. And, you know, it's it's a difficult conversation because that's so personal and such a major decision. 
But, you know, if they went through that process, folding a piece of paper in half, right, and said, okay, on this side is what life will be like after the divorce and what those pros might be. And on this side is if I stay in it, hopefully they can see, you know, which is the clear decision for them to make and then break it down into the steps uh, to do that, either to repair the relationship and, and get things where they need to go or get on a new a new path. Very difficult one. Would hate to go through that. All right. Um, some really great tips and from two people who get a lot of stuff done. Hopefully you take away from that. While we have Samantha, as I mentioned earlier, DemandGen is deploying Sales Navigator. And like I said, a few of us have had it and used it, but we got to a point where enough of us need to use it and want it that we moved into their enterprise. So I said, hey, Samantha, while we're doing the podcast, can you give some recommendations and ideas either for folks who maybe haven't um, bite the bullet and and deployed Sales Navigator to their sales team or other folks in their organization, or for those that have and maybe aren't getting as much value from it. So Samantha, take us away and give us some good advice. Yeah. So I think one of the the coolest parts about LinkedIn Navigator uh, for me as a former customer and now even more passionate advocate of the, the technology, um, one of the greatest parts about it is something called Team Link Extend. So I'll say it again because those three words are not often said together. So it's Team Link Extend. And what that means is essentially if I'm a sales rep, let's say I'm a sales rep working at LinkedIn and I am looking to make a connection, uh, I don't know, uh, let's say with you. And I don't know you, but uh, and I, we don't have any common connections for whatever reason. We're not in the same circles. But man, I would really love to get a meeting on your calendar. What I can do without Navigator is I can try and reach out. And I can say, hey, David, um, here's why you should talk to me. Or I saw this on your profile, and I'd love time you know, on your calendar. And I could probably do that for, I don't know, 6, 10, 12 months until you probably still don't respond to me because you're a busy person and you get tons of these emails. But what Team Link Extend lets you do in Navigator is I can go in immediately, I can look at David Lewis, and I can say, one, do we have common connections? And if not, do we have Team Link Extend connections? And that lets me look at anybody that's within LinkedIn's ecosystem, up to 1,000 people, or anybody that has a Sales Navigator license at my particular company, and I can see if any of them know you. So instead, on the first try of reaching out to you, instead of sending you one of 100 emails that you probably get like that in a day, I can go and meet somebody in LinkedIn that I've never met before. I can say, hey, we've never met each other, but we work for the same company and we have the same goals. And it appears that you know David Lewis. And I can also see that you probably know him because you guys went to the same school at the same set of years. So I'm guessing maybe you're fraternity brothers or something like that. Do you know David well, and could you introduce us? And so this guy, we'll call him Bill, says, I do know David. We were in the same fraternity, just like you said, and I've talked to him just last month. I'd be happy to make an introduction. Now, you, David, are going to respond to Bill infinitely faster than you will respond to me with my cold outreach, right? And so the power of that, you know, it's essentially unlocking the power of your network to see who knows somebody that you want to get to know and hopefully make a deal with. And, you know, to quote who you mentioned earlier with Jill Rowley and her incredible podcast, she has this quote that I love that your network is your net worth rather is a your network is your net worth. So what what kind of network you've built really is your net worth. So being able to tap that into all of the employees in your company up to a thousand of them and instantly see 
who they know and they could introduce you to is key. And it's had tremendous success, even for me while it was at On24, just the power of seeing that. You know, we're a relatively small company. We were at, at On24 and, you know, about 400, 450 global employees. But by the fact that we got Team Link Extend, we were able instantly to see that there were people in product and engineering and in finance that we'd never met. We just didn't engage with them in our in our um, careers. So we were able to see that they were connected to people we wanted to get to know. We instantly asked for an introduction and we instantly got it like magic. I wonder and I'm I'm going to I'm going to guess you tell me maybe you know that it's a very low percentage of people within a company that are connected to one another. And so in a B2B organization and almost all of our clients are mid-market enterprise, they've got lots of employees. I wonder how many you know, do people, are they proactive in connecting to the other people within the organization? Because as you kind of drew out visually, that pyramid of connection, there is no six degrees of separation, I find. It's like two. Um, You know, I don't, I I rarely find ever someone as a third level connection on LinkedIn. They're either a first level connection of mine or maybe a second level connection. Am I, am I guessing incorrectly that, that, a lot of people don't take the time to connect with one another inside the same company to to help leverage that power that you just talked about. You're so right. And we typically see an influx when somebody new joins an organization, right? Because they're new. Lots of people reach out and say, hey, welcome, et cetera, and connect. But on average, we find that it's about 15%. They're about 15% connected to your internal company. So instead of 15%, Let's make it 100% with the click of a button, right? And you can open up that network, instantly get those connections and say, okay, now I don't have to hold everybody accountable to connecting with each other and following up and making sure they actually do that. I can just do that. I can ask them, say, hey, could you check this box and let us have a look at your network and see if there's anybody you know that we would especially like to meet and do business with. Especially if you're in sales and marketing, all right, that that will, I, 15% is incredibly low, much lower than I would have thought. I'm glad I didn't put out a number, but um the yeah it it leaves a legacy right so if i'm at like you were at on 24 for for years by the way joe was on the program as well uh your your Ah, former chief yeah Yeah, he was great another good episode to go listen to we talk about we we do like a jim kramer rapid fire back and forth on uh webinar tips and that was just a couple podcasts ago so go listen to that one folks but um He's, he's hilarious. He's, I'm sure well, well worth the time for anyone. He's awesome. He was good. Good good to have on the program. So since sales and marketing people do change um, companies, you know, typically within a few years, the more people that you connect with at the company that you're at is going to pay connection dividends when you're at the next company you know, where you can still ask for that, that warm uh, introduction. Great, great tip. What else for someone uh, who's using Navigator, um, some best practices or motivation to use Navigator if, you, if you're not? Yeah, I think one of the easiest things that you can also do is employ our saved searches. So saved searches are essentially the opportunity for you to go in Navigator. Um, you can go in the search bar at the very top. And you can build out saved searches based on a variety of parameters. But one of my favorites is past company and existing company. So what I mean by that is you can save out a list of take all of your large existing clients, right? So if you work with clients like Deloitte or EY or, you know, Salesforce, companies that have thousands of people and they're your current customers, current happy customers, I should say, put those in the field of past company. So you want to put that in there. Then in current company, 
you want to put any of the accounts that fall into your prospects, right? And and one of the things that I would say is to try and align verticals. So um, we find that a lot of people move within the same vertical quite commonly. So finance to finance or pharma to pharma. So maybe save out a search like this for pharma, another search for finance, or, um, you know, if you focus on one particular vertical, you can do that too. When you save out the search, what it'll do is it'll send you an alert every single time someone leaves one of those those customers that you're currently doing business with and goes to one of your prospective clients. So when they leave, right? So as I leave on 24 and I go to LinkedIn, I am now somebody who would, anybody would get an alert to say somebody's left on 24. That was their past company. And they're now at LinkedIn. So as a sales rep, what I can do is I would reach out immediately and I would say, Sam, Hey, you were our client at on 24. You loved our technology. I see you're at LinkedIn. We've been trying to get in door forever. We would love to know, you know, who we can talk to and, you know, get some help there. It's amazing because it's an actionable insight and it's instant alert. Also, it sends you alerts when people that you've never even met or are connected to or have saved out as leads transition between those two companies. And it sends you the people that um, are applicable to your saved sales preferences. So if I'm focusing on someone, let's say, in marketing, but not engineering, it's not going to tell me when an engineer moves back and forth. It's going to stick to anything within digital or marketing, maybe even sales and say, hey, this is a high value salesperson. A VP has just left, right? Maybe you want to reach out and see if they can open doors for you. It's, I mean, those are leads that I'm essentially self-sourcing and are being delivered right to my inbox by searches like that. Love it. Great idea. And since so many of us, I know um, about 35% of our clientele comes from former clients every single year. And so that's a golden tip for people to use and track the movers and shakers so you can re-engage with them. Samantha, thank you so much. Uh, we are looking forward to working with, uh, I w- I'd say, your team. I mean, the team at LinkedIn next week. We're starting to do the training uh, internally uh, for our folks. And um, it's been really great to see all the success that our clients have had using the tools. I would encourage everyone as I wrap up, um, use LinkedIn, you know, the network itself. It's not a place anymore for posting your resume necessarily or finding candidates. Of course, you can do all that, and it's good for that. But it's really a phenomenal network for connecting with others, sharing ideas, reading, and learning about the trade. So I'm a huge fan on LinkedIn, and I hope you connect with me if you haven't already. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much for for joining me on the program, and uh, my best to you and the team. Thank you, David. Such a pleasure. You bet. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, every week. We post uh, new episodes every Sunday, so looking forward to uh, the next ones to come. I've got a great lineup that I know you are going to enjoy, some really great surprises coming as well. So make sure you subscribe if you don't already. And that'll do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 